Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 399 on Tuesday, the 18th of May, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And on this monumental week, we'll be expecting a spike in black light bulb demand. We discover that attempting to do the right thing can lead to problems. And we get told how to drive near the Northwest 500. But first, we have some, and oh my word, I can't believe that I'm actually excited for follow-up, but it's follow-up and it's not Dieselgate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that the best you can come up with? This is Well, yeah, it's because it's not. It's, it's definitely not <laughs> Dieselgate. Uh, and this is uh, following on from last week where we were discussing about the catalytic converters, uh, how the police had broken up a bit of a, a ring on that and people had been arrested and they'd found over a 1,000 and Alan got jolly cross about how that hasn't helped the people who've been affected. Anyway, we tried to gloss over that Mm. because it makes a change from me being the ranty one. Uh, But this is the news that Toyota is going to spend in the region of a million pounds but offering this service free to owners of older Toyotas and Lexus that they will covertly mark these catalytic converters. And they're looking to cover in the region of 100,000 of the older cars because the criminals are finding that with the hybrid systems, the precious metals are actually in much better, uh, much better nick, and they will get more money for what they do. So they're going to supply about fifty thousand kits to dealers initially, and then twenty thousand odd to the police forces around the country. Okay, so one thing I learned from this, I learned it from a combination of the National World and Matt Allen's uh, article and also the, the car article that, that will also be linked in the show notes, is actually the fact that, okay, so the markings on the catalytic converters are invisible, but the reason they're like that is so that whenever they do find a stash of stolen cats or, or shells for them or whatever, then they can then trace back which catalytic converters to which crimes and then work out, and it helps them join the dots from pinched thing right the way through. It still doesn't really help you if you've had your catalytic converter, Nick, but hopefully it will help deter people or help catch people so that fewer people have them nicked overall. Mm -hmm. Toyota and Lexus are also restarting uh, production lines Japan and France for catalytic converters of older models and then selling them at cost price to people so that that they're not making any extra money off this and they're actually making it possible to deliver the bits for people whose cars have had parts written off have had the catalytic converters stolen sorry because quite uh, the connection in my mind there was quite often without a catalytic converter on some of these older cars if you've got a much older prius or 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 something then that will actually be almost enough to write the car off yeah yeah yeah. because of the cost cost that could be They, they also created a catlock security device which is basically a big metal shield over your catalytic converter but that will be fitted at cost price as well so again they're not making money on the misfortune of others no that's very good i like that (laughs) right take us to another japanese manufacturer yes this is an odd one as people i'm sure are aware by now mitsubishi uh, in the uk and in much of europe certainly in the uk is going to become an after sales only business in other words they're going to keep on selling all the parts which support, well, selling and supplying and servicing the to support Mitsubishi owners in the UK. Colt Car Company has been the importer for a long, long time before Mitsubishi in Japan made the decision to just basically stop 
uh, selling cars in Europe, selling vehicles in Europe, and they have been taken over by IM Group. Now, IM Group is the property and finance group who also happen to import Subaru and Isuzu vehicles into the UK with varying levels of success, depending on, you know, the way the wind's blowing, product mix, all these kind of things. But they're taking over the Mitsubishi Motors business here in the UK. I can see the synergy straight away. It's a great way of getting people who who have Mitsubishis into Isuzu and Subaru dealerships yeah. and hopefully selling them an Isuzu uh, whenever their Mitsubishi is is at the end of end of their life. Uh, so the synergy is straight there. It's like right in front of you, yeah. slapping you in the face. So I can absolutely understand why it's a good idea for them. That should also be good for, despite my sarcasm, they are a long-established business. They just, you know, get distracted. <laughs> and it's fairly true. So with a dealer network who are used to working on a combination of commercial off-road vehicles, and normal-ish cars, as normal as a Subaru ever gets. So, you know, it's not a shock for either party in this. It's not as if it's been sold out to someone who just deals with commercial vehicles, for example, who wouldn't know what to do if somebody rocks up with an ASX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually a really good thing all around. It's good for IM's dealers. It's good for IM, and it's good for Mitsubishi owners, I think. Yeah, and it means cars won't get scrapped too early, which can only be a good thing. Yes, well, that's good. It's good for the environment. Exactly. Yes. No, exactly. but, but you're, you're right. That's a really good point that I hadn't thought of. Um, and so I, I think it's, I, I don't, I can't work out that there could have been a better outcome to this, really. No, no. no. I'm, I'm glad it's been sorted out. And uh, hmm. they've got obviously got a few fine details to, to iron out, but it's pretty much there. They're doing joint press releases, folks. So, yeah. you know, that's a pretty good clue. They're not revealing too much too much more about the finer points of the commercialized the commercial side of things so but that's fine that's up to them isn't it mm-hmm. absolutely right talking to the environment i'm going to take us to london and the news that the newly re-elected london mayor sadiq khan has confirmed from october 2021 the ulez zone will increase as he said it should in the, the grand plan for making the capital's air cleaner so, I mean, that's, that's no real surprise as he got re-elected. Not really. It's basically all of inner London from the 25th of October, 2021. Uh, but it's quite a bit more than what I would class as inner London. Well, that's what they call. It's up to the. It's going to extension to inner London, so that's up to the north and south circular roads. It's a good 10 times bigger than it was before, oh, put yeah. it that way. So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I bet some of these sort of third-party operating subcontractors are going to have be rubbing their hands with glee at the thought of putting on being able to put up all these cameras all the way around quite such a large perimeter and so many roads yes i I love the very uh very much the politician emerging saying oh look what we've done we've managed to drop the levels of nitrogen dioxide pollution by nearly half since 2019 blah 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 and you said and you and you think really that might be because nobody's been in the city well yeah you sort of want to shout out from the back there with your journalist notebook going no one left their houses for six months last year if it didn't drop then it was never going to drop (laughs) so uh well done for using statistics to make your story look good (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. It's it's just been pointed out, by the way, that on the border of the North Circle, the cameras and stuff are already there. So stuff's already in place to, oh, to implement good. this. Good, good, good. Right, Alan, do you want to take us to Kent? <laughs> no. Okay, I, I didn't really want to go there either. <laughs> on my, on my uh, one trip there, it's, it's, never, it's not really caught my imagination, <laughs> I have to say. Well, you mean the one trip when we arrived there after midnight and left by seven o'clock in the morning, and it all it did was rain. Only saw all it did was rain, and we saw the inside of a Holiday Inn Express at Folkestone. Yeah, that was really exciting. Kent could have made more of an effort. (laughs) Really sold you on Kent. Anyway, a London-based company called Connected Curb is well. Let's talk a little bit about what they do first. Connected Curb, the idea is that they are going to install curbside chargers, funnily enough, curbside EV chargers, which will give out about 7 to 22 kilowatt fast charge, which will int- integrate, according to this Autocar article, smart technologies, uh, whatever they are. But they're say- they give examples such as 5G air quality monitoring, parking management, and CCTV. So that's obviously going to go part of the way towards paying for this, I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that their business model is allows local authorities to provide communities with accessible, uh, low-cost, and reliable EV charging. And 50 to 20, was it 7 to 22 kilowatt fast charge, probably depending on where they are, that's that's actually pretty acceptable if it's, uh, if it's in a shopping area uh, or if it's in a domestic area for overnight charging. Yeah. They are aiming to do this, not in London, despite the fact that they are a London-based firm, but in areas of the country where the average number of EV chargers is incredibly low. Yep. The examples given are Gravesham in Kent and Castle Point in Essex, which have just 3.7 or 2.2 chargers per 100,000 people, respectively. To give a comparison, in London there are 63 per 100,000 people, mm-hmm. and probably less need for a car as well, to be honest. Yeah. Well, soon. <laughs> well, no, whether or not, come on, we've, I've said before, the public transport system in London is, is, is pretty, pretty awesome. Well, it was the last time I was in London anyway. So the idea is that they, they're, going to, they're going to do that. They're going to start off uh, in parts of Kent, in partner, well, in partnership with Kent County Council even, to try and bring up the average number of charges all over the county. Yeah, I mean, the, I the, the slightly successful. slower ones make a lot of sense in residential areas because people generally are going to be plugging them in for overnight or for a weekend and mm. stuff like that. So that that makes perfect sense in a residential, whereas you want the, the, the rapid and ultra rapid and the mega super fast or whatever they're going to be next in something like a... a you know, a retail area or a, a... Well, no, these ones actually work quite well. By 22 is pretty good if you're in a retail area. Okay. It, it's still fast enough because if you think about it, for most cars, that's what an hour is charging, hour and a half, as long as you don't have something with a mahusive battery. Yeah, you're an hour and a half to two hours to charge there, and that's fine when you've got shops to wander around and restaurants, and quite frankly, the shopping centres want you to linger a bit longer, so if it's, it's so they're less likely to fit a 50, 50 kilowatt. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. You've got to have that balance that, yeah. of convenience and keeping people hanging around, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fine line. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right, I'm going to take us to uh, to Manchester. <laughs> you sound even more thrilled about that than I was about going to Kent, oh, to be honest. Yeah, well, I like Manchester. 
Okay, fine. It's an absolute pig to get into. Uh, yeah, go by train. <laughs> it is easier. It is easier for me to get to London than it is for me to get into Manchester, and it takes not far off the same amount of time. <laughs> That's quite depressing, really, isn't it? Yes. Anyway, anyway, I'm distracting you terribly. Uh, um, and this is the news that Manchester City Council. In trying to do a good thing, which was to be transparent about the parking parking tickets that their wardens were giving out, that they would publish how much they were making from parking tickets on their website, and they would say, these are the wardens that have collected the tickets, and these are where they did it, and this is how much the tickets were for, and all the rest of it. Only slight problem was somebody left the column that had the car's registration on that. Oh. So they let out personally identifiable information because Um. it actually doesn't take that much effort, although it is naughty to do so, to pretend you are a car parking firm, Mm. pay a small fee to the DVLA, and then you can get all the details of all those registrations. Yes. Because the DVLA... Don't bother checking. No, they don't bother checking that because they make an awful lot of money from companies that say, Hmm. oh, we're an upright and good citizens who are trying to run our parking system well. Can you please give us access to licence plates? And DVL goes, you've crossed our palm with silver. Of course you can. Next week, a statement from the DVLA. Uh, But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Become a- I, and, th- and this is what we have said ever since we started the podcast, is our fear about data and connectivity and all the rest of it is more a mistake rather than someone being deliberately nefarious, although that is bad. Oh, uh, but someone's uh, just going to make like this. It's just someone's... Maybe it was a Friday afternoon, they were rushing through, they thought they'd done it, it hadn't happened, all the rest of these things. It's easy to see how that column stayed in place. Oh, yeah. But it just... (laughs) Incompetence, it's far more prevalent than evil. Yes. That basically is it, yeah. If you think an organisation is being particularly evil, they're probably just being hugely incompetent. Yes. (laughs) In my experience. Anyway, I think that's the end of the first part it is it is so it's it's not guilt minute again so just quickly last week we reminded you and announced was it the week before so the week before we announced you could join us for a live stream of the recording for our 400th episode on wednesday that's the day this podcast comes out hopefully many yeah, hours hopefully. before <laughs> as long as i don't have any otherwise more this problems. is going to be a real waste of time when on Wednesday the nineteenth of May at eight thirty PM British summer time, that's UK time. <sighs> yes. So we'll be having a live stream because if you work it out that this is our episode uh, three hundred and ninety-nine, tomorrow is episode four hundred. So we're gonna chat a bit, we're gonna take questions and do a sort of ask us anything. As long as it's related to the podcast, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. We'll, we'll just, just veto the other ones. And you can join us via the YouTube live stream. There should already be a link to the YouTube live stream available. I know that it has gone live and it showed when I was flicking through YouTube earlier on. On the way through the show, we will, like in automotive podcasting, Anton Deck, be giving away prizes. We will. No points uh, needed for those. Uh, But that's thanks to the support of a bunch of very generous 
companies uh, and supporters. To be in with a shout of grabbing one of the prizes, we need you to go to our website, hit the contact section at the top of the homepage, or simply click on the link in the show notes to go straight to it. Uh, then you can enter your name, your email address, and the phrase, please can I win, into the subject line so we can add your name to the draw. You need to have done this by 8 p.m. British summertime on Wednesday the 19th of May so that I can write down on little scraps of paper all of your names <laughs> from my inbox, which is getting quite full. Good. It should do. There's good prizes. I have they're good prizes. All of them are very good. There was a discussion earlier on. At least one of them is 170 quid's worth of prize. Mm-hmm. Others are things that money can't buy. Yes. As well. There is that. Good prizes, folks. We'll be selecting winners randomly throughout uh, tomorrow evening's recording. Uh, what else? Sorry, I've just noticed there's another bit has been added in here. Dum, dum, dum. During the live stream, we have a section where we'll be answering listeners' questions. So please get them in. Ping us with questions. Um, yeah. Twitter being the best way, I guess. Do it. Yeah, Twitter to the Motoring Podcast. Yeah, do it to at Motoring Podcast on Twitter. Other people see it, and then I'm sure that it will spiral or death spiral uh, from there. <laughs> so, um, so yes, it'll it'll be just. You're fine. bigging this up again, Alan, in a very Motoring Podcast styly. Yes, it'll be great. No, seriously, do that, please. Just ask questions why we started it what we're doing what we think we're going to do next what have been our favorite press cars what have been our least favorite press cars all these kind of things i think Mm -hmm. everybody knows the answer to that last one they know yours yeah that's true i have to think on mine actually anyway right you just love all the cars anyway that that'll do for for that rambling messy bit Right, quick uh, WRC. It is WRC Portugal this week, so keep an eye out on the socials for that. We'll obviously round up what happened over the weekend next week. But new, new car news, please, Alan. Well, there's a limited... uh, It depends how new you count this as being. Uh, I missed the announcement somehow. I don't know how. But Alfa Romeo have launched what I guess I'm going to say is their equivalent of the Jaguar XF project 8 the alfa romeo julia gta and gta m this is an alfa romeo julia quadrifoglio dialed up to oh about 15 i'd say i know because that's 11 <laughs> yeah because it's yeah so because it's the same 2.9 liter v6 by turbo engine but it's putting out 540 brake horsepower which gives 187 horsepower per liter <laughs> Not to 62 in about 3.6 seconds. 20-inch wheels with a single central locking nut. Come on, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> for the first time on a saloon, and a titanium Akrapovich centrally mounted exhaust system it says with its unmistakable sound. Oh, good. Knowing what the, knowing what the quadrifoglio was like, this must be quite something. Yes, it's for for those who thought that the four cheese just wasn't quite enough. Yes, it's a little bit low key. <laughs> yes. So what you also need to um, what else? Where else? C- customization options include liveries created by designers at Central Stile. Details such as coloured brake calipers and interior roll bar seat belts and stitching. Oh, it's worth mentioning. You only get two seats in this in the front. The back is taken up by roll cage. Okay. 
I've got dinner plates smaller than those front carbon ceramic rotors. The, uh, the price, extra carbon though, fiber on the front. The, the price and on is... the back is a rear spoiler. I'm getting to the price. On the back is a carbon fiber rear spoiler, just like on the Alpha 156, you know, the silly one that's stuck way up. The price, he says, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and then losing it. Oh, well, it's available to order now. It's priced from 176,500 euros and 181,500 euros, respectively, whether you have a GTA or a GTAM. Yes, please. I'd like to try one. Really like to try one. <laughs> there was something else I was going to say, and I've now forgotten what it was. Anyway, it's it's quite cool, really. Oh, 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 yeah. The GTAM is the one with the roll bar, by the way. The GTA does actually have rear seats. Okay, so if you need to take the family somewhere, you you have the GTA. Which is the cheaper one. Yes. Significantly oh, the, cheaper. 5,000. <laughs> I've remembered what it was I was actually going to say, and that's that there are going to be 500 of these available around the world, which is a bit of a push, but it's Alfa Romeo. There are so many Alfa Romeo um, enthusiasts around the world. With That's a better word than you were using in the warm-up <laughs> i almost used the word nutter just there uh but but no i realized i should i should use the word enthusiast instead well alan 500 across the world mm -hmm. fast saloon i mean we're ticking a lot of boxes for you i mean if you just look down the back of your couch for 176 yeah. to 181 thousand euros <laughs> i'll sell my house that's it that's yes. simple <laughs> Well, if you get the two-seater one, you don't, you've got room in the back to lie down. <laughs> no, you don't. You've got scaffolding in the way. What do you think the monthly is on one? Oh, I don't know. Does monthly go up to three figures, four figures? For, 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 <laughs> yeah. for further information or to locate the nearest Alfa Romeo retailer, visit alfaromeo.co.uk. Let's click on there. Uh, purchase. Uh, no, I can't see it. Oh, there we go. Julia GTA configurator accept all oh it's a bit slow like this live live testing the alpha romeo website just accidentally made it so it made it full screen yes it, it lets me do stuff but then there's no pricing section sadly okay but goodness me i'd have it in the green yes green with the yellow brake calipers that'll do nicely and the brown interior uh oh can i get brown no well, i presume no, I you can get a brown interior no, you can get the changes. No, but you would have a uh, green stitching and green seat belts to match the outside. That's nice. Green does look good. Green is it good. It does. Color. Sadly, it doesn't give any prices uh, or, or links to AE. I didn't really expect it to jump to a. We'll, we'll, we'll keep on that to uh, find out when it does. <laughs> anyway, Andrew, why not tell us about the 2023 Vauxhall Vivaro? <laughs> yes. I will take us to the other end of the extreme. Uh, and this is the uh, Vivaro E hydrogen van which is Vauxhall, well, Stellantis's push towards hydrogen fuel cells in their vehicles. And it's going to turn up with a 249-mile range. It's going to have the same payload ability of uh, 1,100 kilograms as the, the uh, ICE and EV versions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, a, it's brilliant news for hydrogen use. And I think it is going to demonstrate Obviously, there is the constraints of where hydrogen filling stations are, but it's going to demonstrate the viability of hydrogen as a fuel, particularly for commercials. For commercials, when you're running from a distribution hub, mm -hmm. 
then it makes a lot of sense. So yep. despite people going, you know, despite people saying, well, there aren't that many stations, it doesn't matter if you're always ending up back in the same place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I just want to take this opportunity that if anybody is going to use the news of this as a point in which to start the, frankly, dull, incorrect argument about how hydrogen isn't worth pursuing it must only be ev or it must only be this or must only be that just stop it it's dull now it's boring it's tedious the point is there are people out there and there are organizations organizations out there and there are reasons out there that need all those types of powertrains mm. and they will benefit from those particular powertrains whereas other ones won't do the job that they need yep Nothing is going to suit everybody. That will never happen. But still, in 50 years' time, there will be parts of this world where an ICE engine is the only option for getting a vehicle round somewhere. Mm -hmm. So we all need to just chill out and try and make them the best that they can be. This is very early on in the hydrogen development phase. EVs are so much further on in this, and now money is being chucked into it. So they will catch up to EVs as far as development and viability and being economical, as well as a charging network mm -hmm. building up as well, and that helping. Worth mentioning, by the way, I said 2023 Vauxhall Vivaro. The reason being that the Opel version and in left-hand drive will be available from the end of 2021 as well. So this is far more imminent than I made it out right at the start there. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm. I'm I really do. I mean, I know I've just gone a bit on my soapbox, but I really do think hydrogen has a has a real part to play hmm. in people getting around, particularly in this kind of context. I think yeah. this is an excellent context. Right. I saw another article earlier on. It's not in the show notes. It's not even in the list that we're meant to be talking about tonight. But it was JCB, and it was a hydrogen combustion engine. So running a it was a experimental 3cx so the standard jcb excavator that everybody thinks of and that runs on hydrogen as well because the only thing coming out of the exhaust should be water mm -hmm. yeah again it's across it's across everything and and one of the big joys of, of hydrogen is that is that in many of these situations the the you can basically drop a container which is a hydrogen station yeah particularly if it's if it's in that situation where it's not for public use so that you're just using you're using cards not actually having to take payment yep. for it at the point of distribution yeah, yeah sorry i went off on one there as well <laughs> are we two for two now yeah i think so no? right well take us to the designer's mood board then yeah, Designs Boom Board is the announcement that Volvo Cars has appointed a new head of exterior design starting on the 1st of May. So, okay, that's odd. The press release is dated the 11th of May, but never mind. And it's T. John Mayer, and he succeeds uh, Maximilian Mizzoni, who is now head of design at Polestar. Yep. So, yes, I mean, T. T. John Mayer obviously is, is American, obviously. Yeah. But he's been in. He's been lead exterior designer for a lot of the cars that we've all gone. Ooh, that's nice. Recently, mm. including the S60, the V60, the V60 cross country. He's been working at the company for ten years, so there's pedigree there, and they obviously are happy to to bring him from within. Yeah, that that's great. I think because has there been a poor Volvo car recently? I'm not sure. Looks wise, there has. Not for quite a while, to be perfectly honest. No. I'm trying to think of the last poor-looking Volvo car, and I've got the 440. I know at least one of our listeners will complain about me saying that. <laughs> I've got the 440, and that's about it. Yeah. 
Right, I'm going to take us to the lunchtime read. And it's from, um, well, it's about a friend of the show, Justin Layton, who was has been on Rearview. And he is talking about, on the Porsche newsroom site, their Sunday drives. And Justin's just basically picked Scotland, but he gets a bit more specific in the article. So he talks about how or where you should go to drive. And he's picked an area that's uh, a lot on the Northwest 500 and around that area. But you also get to find out about his his career and how he tries to take photographs and everything. Plus, he's got a bunch of his photographs. Tries to take photographs, yes, he tries. if you listen to Justin, he is so self-depreciating. I know he is. And it's criminal (laughs) that he says, oh, it just sort of happens. No, you, you... it doesn't. You've got this superb, amazing eye, as these photographs demonstrate, and they are all lovely. So do click through, read a really excellent article, uh, and gaze on at some lovely photographs. I love the way that he, he. it's always about the landscape that happens to have a car. Yes, yes. We think Justin's ace. The other ones, by the way, in the series, so there's Norway, there's Italy, there's Australia, there's Japan and others. It's um, it's it's just a lovely series. But I think that the photography in Justin's is the best. And I'm not just saying that. No. Great. So uh, list of the week this week is uh, from Classic and Sports Car. And it's 20 cars that rocked pop-up headlights. So one of my aims, still there, still on the list, is to own a car with pop-up headlamps. Mm-hmm. Haven't managed it yet. I'm surprising. I, yeah, I would have thought you would have done that, but I know you haven't. Yeah, but. I just haven't. I just haven't quite. Yeah, it's it's. I would like one, but I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's loads on here. So Andrew, come on, have you picked one? I have. Uh, it's it's not the most flash by any stretch of the imagination, but it is the third generation Honda Accord. The shame is that they haven't got the aero deck in the picture yeah, well, you did have an aero deck didn't you but that's what i did have yeah. and i have such fond memories of that car and the pop-up headlightness of it and even when i owned it 20 years ago or so more than that now yeah 25 years well, ago he is old listeners 25 years old. ago i owned it people smiled when you activated the pop-up headlights because they are just a thing of joy they are mm-hmm. uh, it's just a shame that obviously not very good for pedestrians you're trying to mow down. Sodom. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. In a safe manner. Have you got any in this vast list, which we do yes. encourage you all to go and click I have through, about by the way, because there's some spectacular 20. cars. Okay. Have you narrowed it down to one that you can say, because otherwise it makes it pointless us asking people to click the link? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, uh, I'm going to choose the Aston Martin Lagonda because I think the more saloon cars should have one. Mm. That is very lovely. Yes, the Sir William Towns, 1976. All the electronics in a low-production British car. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, everything. I don't care. I think they look wonderful. Yep. I would... Yes, yes. I, I Dream Garage, there is a Lagonde in there. And a pet electrician. <laughs> and a tame electrician, yes. Lovely, lovely things. And there's so many good cars in there. I, there I could, in all seriousness, I could have chosen five without even having to think about it from there. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Uh, which means that the end finally is down to you this week, Andrew. It is. Uh, and this is something that was passed on to me uh, by a friend of the show. Uh, and just this is more really to make everybody aware. But there is a way that you can use any 
car that you fear might need to be scrapped or you no longer have a use for and you are looking to support a charity. Uh, and it's called charitycar.co.uk. Uh, and what happens is you get in touch with them and they've got lots of bases around the country and they will come and take your car away. And if it's still got some life left in it and it's still roadworthy and they think they can make some money from, from doing so, they will take it to auction and whatever it raises, they will uh, give that to the charity that you have selected on, on the list that they've got. And they do have many charities there. And but also, if you it needs to be scrapped, they will use the money that they get from scrapping it, and it will be scrapped properly and recycled, and all the rest of the stuff that you would expect such an organisation to do. Uh, and again, up to now, they've raised in the region of uh, three quarters of a million pound for charities by by people doing this, mm. which is brilliant news. And they help you fill out the paperwork too, and all of the scrap value goes to the charity. Yeah worth mentioning all of the scrap value of the vehicle goes goes straight to the charity so uh so yeah they're not taking big skim or anything you would say the person that told you about it is 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 familiar with it and and works with a charity that that benefits from this as well so yeah so i just thought if anybody knows anybody or is needing to do something maybe consider this a way to uh to help out <laughs> Parish notes for the week. Special edition came out last Friday. Ford Fiesta ST line. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you want to know all about one of the best-selling vehicles in the country and certainly <laughs> one of the ubiquitous, then go have a listen. It's yeah, it's a surprising little car, really. It's, 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 there's a lot to like about it, but if you want to know what there is to like, then go listen to the uh, go listen to the podcast. I, I feel I should big this up big time because some podcast, some special editions of some cars we drive get lots, and lots, and lots of interest, and everybody goes, "Oh yeah, we all know about the Fiesta because it's so ubiquitous." But then you think, "Well, actually, do you know all about the Fiesta?" No, I, I wanted to hear you talk about it because it's easy to form an opinion hmm. before because they are everywhere. Yeah, and because they are in, you know, invariably in the top five of the new car registrations and all the rest of it, that you think you know them, but mm -hmm. you know, are they actually worthy of being there, or is it just because there's a Ford dealer on the end of almost every, in almost every town, and is that why it yeah. happened? So this this was I I found it very interesting to hear you talk it through to explain uh, your thoughts on where they are positioned and, and if that's if that's worthy or not. And if you can't deal with the excitement there, coming up in a few weeks is going to be a Ford Focus. Hey! Oh, God. See, we were doing so well there, Alan, <laughs> until you did no, that. No, seriously, go, go listen to the Fiesta one because hope because I learned lots of stuff, and hopefully that will mean that you learn lots of stuff too. Last reminder about uh, going to the link in the show notes or going to the contact page, entering your name to win one of the awesome prizes that we have uh, in tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to say tomorrow night's uh, at the time of recording, uh, but the evening of Wednesday, the 19th, uh, 400th episode, a live stream. Don't forget to get any questions to us as well before or even during the sh during the recording, because during the recording, if you're on uh, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to to add comments into the, the YouTube comments. Uh, on the side and the, the live comments. OK, just add a layer of complexity to everything, Alan. Well done. No, we've already done. We've done this before. It's it's already happening. It's just that you can't see it. That's okay. all. And I won't see it tomorrow, so that's fine. <laughs> you you will because I'll be able to add them into the stream. It'll oh, be a course, wonder, yeah. a wonder of production value. <laughs> anyway, that's one of the reasons we don't do more video. I guess. 
between now and then please don't forget that you can give us any feedback share your thoughts as many of them as possible uh, but only the clean and relevant ones uh with the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities uh, please don't forget about our patreon or audible offers or any of the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com support and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing andrew what's the best way to get in touch with you best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for crack windscreen you should find me there and alan if people would like to get in touch with you and perhaps give you some pointers on how to really sell special editions what's the best way for them to do that personally uh you can do that on twitter if you want i suppose i guess really uh where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-i-a-d-l-e-y uh so we'll be back very soon but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring.